Okay, so I'm going to pray, and we are going to get going with our morning. Lord Jesus, uh, thanks for the sunshine. Thanks for the opportunity uh, to be out um, with our friends and the open air and worshiping together uh, again here. Uh, Father, this isn't something that we take for granted. We know that even today, uh, throughout the United States, there are people who, uh, believers, who still can't get together and worship. And so we're thankful that we have this possibility and opportunity. Um, we're thankful that in a, a world of chaos, uh, you are a God who brings peace. You are a God who brings order to our life. And so um, we just order ourselves around worship to you this morning. Um, so as we spend time together uh, in worship, I pray uh, that you would speak clearly to us, that you would speak boldly to us, and that your spirit would move in any way that he would love to move and challenge and uh, encourage us this morning. In Jesus' name, uh, amen. Hey, I, I need uh, some volunteer kids to come up here. I need eight. So can eight kids just, just run up here, and when we somewhere we get around eight, we'll, we'll kind of stop. So we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, that's it. So if you haven't already started moving, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, um, you guys are going to share one. Come here. Wait, hold on. How many do we have up here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So there's one that's open somewhere, right? Yeah, right over here. All right, you boys come over here. Okay, do you, do you believe that what we say with our mouth matters? You do. Everything that we say matters. Do you guys out there, do you believe that everything you say with your mouth matters? Or that you can say whatever you want whenever you want? That's a bigger one, right? Because sometimes we, like, we live like, we can say whatever we want when we want, and it doesn't matter. Okay, I want you to pretend that these tubes of toothpaste are your mouth. And this is filled with your words. And so what I want you to do is I want you to go ahead and unscrew the, the cap there. And I, and I want you to squeeze it out onto those plates, all right? Your words are speaking. You're, oh, yeah, there you go. Just, just crushing it. Yeah, oh, yeah, you boys got to learn a lesson of sharing up here, too. That's working. This is good. This is on several different levels here. Yeah, squeeze it out. Get it all out of there. Every word that's in that thing, squeeze it out. Let it out. There's no restraint. Let it go. Okay, now here's what I want you to do. Okay, has everybody got their words out? No. No? No. Okay, okay, get them out. Don't, hey, at the end of the day, you don't want any words left in your mouth, right? Okay, here we go. Keep going. Okay, they're all out. Let's pretend they're all out. Now here's what I want you to do. This is a tricky thing. Now that all the words are out, I want you to take your tube of toothpaste, and I want you to put all the toothpaste back into the tube. Yeah, put it, put, put it all back in there. Yeah. <laughs> no, just uh, probably for your mom and dad's sake, just use the tube. All right. Yeah. You're welcome. Okay. You're welcome. All right. Do you feel like it's possible to get all that toothpaste back in the tubes? No. 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 Here's the thing. It is impossible for us to get our words back in our mouth as they go out. Right. So do you guys think that it's important that the words you say uh, matter? Do you think it matters that the words that you say are, are important that you say to somebody else? So you, you, got, you got a new brother or sister coming up here. Is it going to be really important for what you say to him or her? Yeah? Anderson, is it important the words that you say to your sister or to your friends? Yeah. Because the words that come out of our mouth, we can't ever squeeze them back into two. Hey, guys, thanks so much. And I'm going to try to figure out. Okay. All right. Thanks for your Everybody give them a round of applause. All right. All right. Head back to your seats. Head back to your seats. Did you brush your teeth this morning? You need this? 
All right, let's just hope those don't blow off. And just take off going somewhere. We're going to trust it there. All right, so here, here, here's what we're talking about this morning. Right, we're talking about our mouth. Thank you, kids, for, for helping us out there. Um, one thing that we can never get back are our words, right? You can, you can retract your words. You can say, man, I didn't, man, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean what I said, and I didn't, I didn't mean for you to respond the way that you responded. And, and, and you, you, can, you can try to pull back your words. But once your words are out, man, those, there, there's no taking those words back because what we say, it's never spoken into a vacuum. Our, our words are always going to impact somebody on an emotional and an intellectual level. And we tell this kind of stuff to our kids all, all the time. You can either build people up with your mouth or you can tear people down with your mouth. Our words have so much power when, they come, when, they, when they're not just in our mind, but when they begin to come out of our mouth and pass past our lips. James says in James chapter 3 that we can put these little itty bits inside the mouth of a horse. And with that little itty bit, we can make this massive, huge animal that is so much stronger than us do whatever we want we to do. We just give a little tug to the right, it goes to the right. Give a little tug to the left, it goes to the left. He also says that a ship can be turned by this little itty bitty rudder that gets attached to the ship. Wherever the captain wants the ship to go, all he has to do is make this rudder just move just little, little inches. And it can end up directing the whole ship in a different direction. And so we learn a valuable lesson that James tells us in these, for these couple different illustrations that something really, really small can have a huge impact on something much bigger. And then he goes on to talk about this little itty-bitty mouth that we have, this little itty-bitty tongue that we have inside of our mouth that can drastically impact our lives and the lives of people around us in such significant ways, right? That our words and our mouth, it has so much power. And so once we say something, for better or for worse, whether it's building up or it's tearing down, there's no squeezing those words back into the tube. It's just like, the, Jeff, thanks for taking those, buddy. Appreciate that. There, there, there's no squeezing those words back into the tube. Now, we started our series last week, uh, Old School Wisdom in the Proverbs, where we're looking back, where we're not looking for new wisdom, but we're looking back at the old school wisdom that God has already given to us. And we're taking that truth and trying to figure out how do we um, learn to live and apply what God's already spoken to us, not in a day gone by, but live the truth out in the cultural context that we live in today. Now, remember, we talked about how Solomon, he was taking this truth and he was passing down what he believed was so important that when he's dead and gone, he wanted to make sure that his kids knew. Right? That when he's dead and gone, he didn't want it to be blurry for them. He didn't want it to, 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 to somehow get confused. That this is important and this is what I want you to live by. So don't go out and be a fool. Go out and take my words and live with wisdom. Order your entire life around the Lord. He called it the fear of the Lord. Which is this, this, um, um, this radical obedience to the Lord. Wisdom was ordering your life around the things that God says is important. And so what Solomon tells his kids is like, hey, go out and do great things. Make a huge impact in the world. Be great, but don't let your greatness be grounded in something that's going to just last like five minutes in the culture. Live for something that's going to be grounded in the truth and live for something that's going to be grounded in, uh, by the, the giver of that truth. And so what we did last week is we dipped our toes into chapter one of the Proverbs, right? Which we said is the umbrella for which all the other buckshot Proverbs find their home. 
And so he lays it out in the beginning of chapter one, and then he kind of lays it out more throughout the first nine chapters. Then everything else falls underneath that. And within all these buckshot proverbs, and, and even in chapter one, he mentions the mouth. And he keeps coming back to this idea of the mouth over and over and over again. And if you're into literature and language, um, you, you know that uh, these are figures of speech or um, they're, uh, uh, I'm not into this, so I've got to try to get this right, okay? Um, metonymy, is that right, literature folks? They're, they're figures of speech. And so when he says mouth or when he says a tongue, what he's talking about, he's talking about the words that we speak. And not only the words that we speak, but what shapes the words that we speak, that enter our mind, that flow through our heart, that comes out of our, our mouth. And so if he says that, the, or if he mentions the mouth over and over and over again, and we understand that the mouth is really powerful, we should probably want to know how to use this thing that has so much power. We should want to know how to use it well. And so all throughout the book of Proverbs, Solomon talks about what we say when we say what we say, how we say what we say, and if we should say anything at all. And so what we're doing this morning is what we're, we're, we're going to pull a couple of these uh, buckshot proverbs uh, together, and we're going to talk about the mouth, okay? You guys with me? Okay. Now, of course, thank you. Uh, uh, the proverbs were written 2,500 to 3,000 years ago, right? But I couldn't help as I was reading through these, think about just how practical they are for us today and how needed they are today because communication has always been uh, important, right? It's always been important. We're not, we're not communicating right now with scrolls and parchment. Like we, we've got TikTok and Twitter and, and Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook, all these different social media rounds of communicating and text, text messaging and emailing, all this kind of stuff. But we're still human. And we're still talking with one another. We're still communicating. And so we need wisdom to figure out how do we do that well. And so with all these modern forms of communication, we've got to have wisdom, and not only in what we say, but we've got to have wisdom in what's shaping what we say. And so we're going to start in Proverbs 18. Uh, in verse 21, Solomon is going to tell us that our words have the power of life and death. Okay? He says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. And that's a pretty big statement. And so if, if this is true, we, we need to understand it. And so we got to ask ourselves, is it true? Can our words bring life? Can our words bring about death? If it's true, we've got to get a handle on the fact that, the, our, the, that our tongue is a powerful gift from God that can encourage and lift people up that can bring joy, that can speak life, but it can also be this device that can wreak a havoc, not only in our own lives, but it can bring destruction in the lives of other people around us. If the tongue is like a rudder of a ship that steers the whole vessel where the captain wants it to go, like James says it is, the very course of your life and the very course of the lives of people that you interact with could very well be linked to what we say. Listen to that. The words that you say could direct not only your own life, but could end up directing the life of somebody else. Think about it from the perspective of, of God's character. Jesus, he, he sat beside of, of a woman who was uh, presumably riddled with sin and guilt, right? Uh, she sat there at a well in John chapter 4, out in the heat of the day. And Jesus comes to her and he asks her for a drink. 
And, and she is just, just stunned. She's like, hey, can, can I get a drink? And she's stunned because there's a distinction that's made culturally between her and, and him. She's stunned that with his mouth that he would choose to speak with her because he's a Jew and she's a Samaritan. And in the culture, there's a huge ethnic and racial, and racial rift between the two. They don't get along. They don't speak to one another. Actually, the Jews believe that they're in a higher stance than the Samaritans. And so with her background and her upbringing, she'd heard this all of her life. You're not good enough. You don't belong here. You're not one of us. I'm going to go out there on a limb, and I don't think this is a, is a shaky limb. I think this is a pretty sturdy limb. And I'm, I'm going to say, man, um, I'm pretty sure that she at least believed those words from time to time. The words that she was hearing spoken to her. I'm going to go out there on a limb and say maybe even she allowed those words, those painful words that she heard over and over and over again to shape a little bit of who she might have been, maybe to shape her whole life. Just those painful words. I would argue that when Jesus bumps into her or intentionally has this conversation with her, she's in a moment of her life where she is emotionally and spiritually dying when Jesus shows up here. And I would say maybe you could relate with her. Because there are things that get spoken to us, there are things that have been spoken to you that bring emotional damage, that bring emotional scars, that bring intellectual damage, maybe even for you as well. And so it's not hard for us to relate to this woman who's at the well, who's been spoken down to all of her life. And yet here is somebody, a teacher, a Jew, not only seeing her, but he's seeking her out to sit down with her and to have a conversation with her. If you've ever been sitting at a table by yourself in a lunchroom, and, and, and you're waiting, will somebody sit with me? Or have you been sitting at work and you're just wondering, will I be accepted into this circle? Will people, will I be able to have friends in this moment? You know how important it is for somebody to sit at your table or to invite you in and to have that conversation. This is a big deal that Jesus is speaking words to this woman in this moment. But he goes even further. Jesus speaks truth to her. He speaks life to her. He speaks identity into her. He says, you came here for water, but I can give you so much more than just water. I can give you living water that will never run dry from a well that's full of grace, from a well that's full of love. And she's like, hey, let me have that. Give that to me. I want that. And then he addresses the real reason why she's there in the heat of the day. He says, hey, why don't you go and, and grab your husband? And it's at this moment that the truth is revealed. She says, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right, you've had five husbands. And the guy that you're with right now, he's not your husband. At that point, you assume she's just kind of hanging her head in, in this mist of shame. But you realize from this moment, that's why she's there in the heat of the day, drawing from this well. Because nobody else is there to ridicule her. Nobody else is there to point out her shame. Nobody else is there to tell her that she can't stack up to who God says that he's already made her to be, right? And yeah, here, here's Jesus in this moment. He's speaking life to her. How do you think she walked away from this interaction with Jesus? How, do you think her life might have been changed in this moment? Scripture leads us to believe that in this moment, her whole entire life is being changed. See, there is death and life in the power of the tongue. And those who understand this, Solomon says, will eat from this fruit. They will bear fruit from this tree. They will, they will understand it and, and they will live according to it. 
See, we, we can speak life, but there's also a dark side to our tongue as well when our tongue isn't being guided by wisdom. Remember, we talked about last week that wisdom is choosing to order our entire life around what God says is important, to have this um, uh, radical obedience to him, this reverent obedience to him. There's probably no greater influence that we have with our mouths than in the realm of parenting, teaching, and coaching. If you're here and you're a parent and you're a teacher at any level or have been a teacher at any level, and if you're a coach at any level, would you just raise your hand? Just go ahead, raise your hand. Yeah. The words that you say in any one of those places, I, you speak so much, you have so much influence in the lives of children. You have so much influence in the life of kids. You have so much influence into the lives of people who said, you know what, I'm going to trust you to teach me. I'm going to trust you to coach me. I'm going to trust you to be my mom uh, or, or dad. And so in this leadership role that you have in a child's life or maybe even a peer's life, your mouth, Solomon says, is like a sword in chapter 12. And so your child or your student or the athlete that you coach, they're looking to you to understand what is right and what right looks like. Your words carry so much weight in their lives. You tell a kid that they are great and they'll, I mean, they're going to believe that for the rest of their life. They will run through a brick wall for you if you tell them the truth of who they are. But if you tell a child that they're terrible, that they're never going to be able to do anything great, that they're never going to match up to somebody else, then they're going to struggle to ever believe anything different in their lives. They're going to carry that with them. Your words have so much weight. It doesn't mean that we just start handing out participation trophies to everybody and say, hey, everybody's a winner. Right, that's not what we're talking about here. Like We need to end that culture. Okay? We just need to get rid, get rid of that. But what it means is that our words carry weight and that our words matter. The things that we say to the kids and the people that we coach and teach and the, and the kids that we parent, they take every word that we say to heart. Can you remember anything that uh, was said to you when you were a child, whether it be positive or negative, that you still remember today that helped shape you into who you are right now? I'm, I'm certain that you can. I'm 39 years old. Okay? I'm going to be 40 years old uh, next month. And I still remember words that my grandpa said to me when I, when I was like eight years old, right? I, I just met my grandpa. Uh, it's the first time, like eight years old, around eight, eight, nine years old. Never, never met him before. We, he's, he'd been in our house for, for a few days. And I loved playing basketball. I loved Michael Jordan. I thought I was going to go to the NBA. Like I was out in, the, out in the driveway just playing basketball thinking that the future looked bright for me, okay? And so I, I'd been out playing basketball. I go inside and I sit down on the couch. And my grandpa, he looks at me and he points down at my stomach. And he says, man, you're fat. That's not funny. Who's ever laughing? Yeah. He, he, he looks at me and he says, man, you're, you're fat. And then my mom at that point, she looks at him like, what the heck are you saying? You don't say that to my boy, you know? And, and so she's like, what are you, what are you doing? And, and he's like, no, no, look at him. And he points at my stomach again. And he says, hey, you're fat. And I've carried those words with me. Those words carry a lot of weight, and I still struggle to, to not look at myself as this chubby little eight-year-old kid who's sitting back on the couch back in the 80s thinking he's going to be in the NBA. Like, I, like, I'm 40, almost 40 years old, and I still remember those words. I wonder if you're carrying around any damage from words that have been spoken to you. Maybe you're eight, maybe you're nine, maybe you were 20. Maybe you're 40, maybe you're 60. And those words have been so damaging to you. 
I also remember uh, when I was growing up, one of my teachers looked at me and she said, man, you're gonna be great. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's really nice for you to say. And she said, no, you're gonna be great. You're gonna do great things. But she also gave the caveat and said, make sure you do great things. Make, make sure you focus on the right things in, in the greatness, right? Make sure you're great at the right things. Our mouth has so much power, Solomon says. Death and life, encouragement and discouragement. Words that can shape somebody's direction in life. Words that can bring encouragement and uplift and words that can bring destruction and tear down. So it's Father's Day. And so what I want to do is I want to say something to the dads who are out there. Like, you're doing great. You guys, you're doing great things. You've been doing great things. But make sure that you're being great at the right stuff. When it comes to your kids or to the people that you coach or, or to the peers that are around you, make sure the words that are coming out of your mouth are bringing life. Speak truth to your kids. Speak life into your kids. Remind them of, of who they are. Re remind them that God has a purpose for their lives. Remind them to make much of Jesus. Remind them that this is true in your own life. And so as you speak to them, let them see how you speak to others. Well, model how you use your mouth because your words carry a lot of weight. Your kids are watching you. There's another proverb that Solomon talks about in Proverbs 18, 6, and 7. Uh, he says that our words can bring pain and joy into our own lives as well. He says, a fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin and his lips are a snare to his soul. Now, I love the Proverbs, but they are so deeply underrated as valuable in, in our lives, right? We kind of neglect them, but they are so practical because they make just so much sense. Right? You read this, you're like, oh, I, I totally know what he's saying. What he's saying is a foolish person runs their mouth and runs their mouth and runs their mouth. And eventually, if they're picking a fight, they're going to end up in a fight that they, that they don't have the weight to carry. Right? They're going to end up getting popped in the mouth because they talked to the wrong person at the wrong time. I wish I would have known this when I was in fifth grade. Because it, it, fifth grade was tough for you too. Yeah, it was really hard for me. I, I wish I would have known this because uh, I never would have opened my mouth to Daniel Pierce. Right? Daniel Pierce. He's the new kid uh, uh, at school. And you never know about the new kid who shows up, right? They're kind of a wild card. And so sometimes you like want to test them. And I was, a, I was a mouthy little kid. And so I was out on the playground at recess one day and I walked up to him. I, don't, I have no clue what I said to him, but I, was, I guess I pushed the right buttons because he reared back and he punched me square in the mouth. And I was like, oh, I've never been punched before, right? My sister, she'd hit me in the arm or something, but I've never been punched in the mouth. And I just dropped down to the ground. I was like, where did that come from? I learned a lesson that day. I walked home with a fat lip and a bruised ego, right? But I learned the truth of what Solomon says here, that fools are looking for a fight with their mouth. And when they're just flapping their gums, they're going to eventually end up having a fight with somebody who's going to put their words back into their mouth. And, and so what we take from that, if you're constantly flapping your lips, if you're always looking to be in a verbal argument or always looking to be right, there's going to be a time we're going to bump into somebody who's going to let you know maybe you're not right. And maybe there might be a little bit of physical action that comes along. You can, the, our mouths can bring joy, but they can also actually bring physical pain to our lives. These proverbs are deeply practical for us. But if we pay attention to them, they're also, they help us to root ourselves deeper in, into the truth. I, I want to I kind of like move into a little bit of seriousness and, and make a, a bridge over into um, our cultural context today. Be, because we know that when Solomon's writing these words, he's writing them to kids, 
to his kids, things that he wants uh, to pass down as things that he thinks are important. But he's also writing to us as a sage that is going to pass on uh, information and truth from generation to generation to generation, right? For us to figure out how to fear the Lord, to to reverently obey the Lord and order our lives uh, around him. And so most of us, when we read the, uh, the words of Solomon or we read the words of Scripture, we think, man, I, I know that my mouth is important. I, I know that Scripture is foundational to my life, or at least I know I'm supposed, it's supposed to be foundational to my life because we, we come from a time period or we grew up in a time period where the default for our morality and ethics, it reflected to some degree the foundational truth of Christianity, right? Our, our, our cultural ethic, it flowed from the truth that, we, that was established from the scriptures. They, that it, our, our cultural ethic came from the Bible. Asha and I, we were talking this week, and I don't think that's true for us as adults anymore, but I also don't think that, I, hey, check in with me right here, okay? Um, I, I don't think that that ethic is true for, for us as adults anymore, and I certainly don't think that this ethic is true for our kids anymore. Right? This is getting much more difficult. We can no longer assume that the default for faith and morality and ethics within our culture is going to come from a timeless truth of God's word, this old school wisdom that we've been talking about. And this isn't me being pessimistic. This is me being a realist and looking around at what's going on in our culture and saying something's gone off course. Right? And so if that's true, and personally I think that it is, I think it's vitally important for us to speak truth into their children's lives and teach them the truth that that we can't take our hands off the wheel when it comes to this because they're not going to just kind of pick up God's truth and wisdom by just walking around in a certain circumstances. That was true back in the 80s. That was true back in the 60s because the cultural, moral, and spiritual ethic was grounded by scripture. That's not true anymore. It's been changing over the course of time. They're going to, if we take our hands off the wheel, what happens is they're going to end up picking up quite a different ethic if we're not in, intentional. And so what we say and how we say what we say to our kids and peers around us may be more important right now than it's ever been at any point of history, at least our, our living history. Now, I want you to follow me on this one, okay? Okay, I, I, we're, not, we're not going out into the weeds. I think this is very practical for our context and that what we're living in right now. So I want to ask you a question. Here's the question. What's shaping your moral, ethical, and theological beliefs? Think about that again. What is shaping your moral belief? What is shaping your ethical beliefs? What are shaping your theological beliefs in the culture that we're living in today? Is it what God has spoken to us from his timeless truth, or is it coming from something else? Because if the statistics are true, professing believers are reading the scriptures less and less. And what's happening is that this is leading us to a shift away from believing that the scriptures and the Bible is still applicable and relevant to our lives today. And if that's true, what's happening is there's a tendency to believe that we can go about our lives without the scriptures being a part of it and that we can somehow figure out how to navigate life well. Not, not, not just do well financially and to do well in the public eye, but to actually live the life that God has called us to live and live that well. And what happens when we set the Bible aside as irrelevant in life? The quest for morality and ethics and how to make sense of life starts to get filled by something else. And what shapes our life and the view of truth now is whatever the culture is communicating is what's true. And so instead of, instead of finding the foundational truth of Scripture to be the norm for the faith and practice for our own lives, what we hear through social media posts, what we read in blogs, 
what we subject our ears to, the blogs that we read, the conversations that we have with the friends that are in our life, the differing beliefs of those within the relationships that we have, those are now filling in the gap where the Bible used to fill in and to give us what is right for living the life that he has called us to live. And they've become the means by which now we're being shaped. We're no longer being shaped by the truths of scripture in our culture. We're being shaped by what the culture is saying true. And if we disconnect the scripture and what the scriptures speak into our lives, that overflows into what we speak into the lives of our kids, into the peers that we work with, and to the people around us. And so again, what we are pouring into our lives is going to be poured out of our lives. And it's going to come out in our speech. Jesus talked about this in Luke chapter 6. He, he talked about a tree and its fruit. A tree is going to produce the fruit of its kind, he says. He said, out of the overflow of the, of the heart, uh, that's when the mouth begins to speak. And so if we're planting our tree in the soil of God's word, then we can expect the fruit that's growing on that tree and that's going to be produced is going to somewhat bear wisdom as he's given it. But if we're planting our roots into the soil of the culture, the fruit is going to reflect that environment as well. Does that make sense? This is so important. Because what we were believing and what we were planting our roots into is what we're going to believe. It's going to shape our belief and it's going to shape what we say to the people around us or shape what we don't say to the people around us. Where we plant our roots is going to bear fruit that is going to be what gets produced. It's going to overflow out of our mouth. And so with that context in mind, I want to read a couple more Proverbs um, from Solomon and then let's just apply those to our lives. So he says that there is an appropriate time for us to open up our mouths for us to speak. And then there's an appropriate time for us to keep our mouths closed. We agree that there's an appropriate time for us to open up our mouth. And the harder part is for us to figure out, is it ever appropriate for us to close our mouth? Right? At least that's hard for me. Our words are powerful, but the right words spoken at just the right time or our lips being closed at just the right time, this is an important thing too. So he says in Proverbs 15 verse 28, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Again, that's Proverbs 15, 28. The picture that Solomon's given here is of, of a person who's confronted with a question, or, or maybe even they, they're being somewhat verbally uh, attacked. And before they respond back, they sit down for a minute and they gather their thoughts before giving some type of an answer. They think to themselves, self, is what I'm about to say, is it true? Self. Is what I'm about to say, am I just parroting back what somebody else wants to hear? Self, am I just saying what the culture is saying and believing something that might be a lie and putting it back out there? Or am I just, am I saying something and trying to pick a fight with somebody else so that I can maybe feel uh, more intellectually smart than somebody or politically aware or biblically aware? Am I looking for a fight with what I say? It's the person who's being attacked and they pause for a second. To think about what they're going to say or what they're going to post or what they're going to tweet or what they're going to text before it ever comes out of their mouth or through their, their fingertips. And so what I want you to think about is how we respond to people right now in our cultural context. When you think about the last thing that you texted, the last thing that you tweeted, the last thing that you snapped, the last thing that you sent in an email, the last post that you made, did you take time to pause before you pushed it? 
Did you take time to think, is this true? Does it align with what I believe? Does it align with what scripture says is true? Does it align with character and integrity? Integrity? Is it looking for a fight? Is it looking to promote something that I don't really believe in? The way that we communicate now is not always verbal. We're communicating so much through social media and there's not always a buffer between what we think and what we say or what we think and, and what we post. And what Solomon is saying here is there is wisdom and taking the moment to pause before we take another step forward. Man, I, I have blown my reputation. I have blown my character. I have blown my relationship with people because I have, I have posted something way too fast without thinking about it. I have not thought sometimes about how this is going to be received. Is this the right word for right now? Should I say anything at all? Is this my fight of battle? And, I, and, I've, and I've been affected and I've hurt people so many times by not just pausing. I wonder if you have too. I wonder if this makes any sense to you as we sit here right now. What we are being shaped by, if we're not being shaped by the scriptures, is going to come out somewhere, and it often comes out in how we communicate with one another. Okay, So Solomon is saying that it matters to take time and pause, to give room for the Spirit to adjust our heart in, in, in a moment, and to think, is this a good thing? Because Solomon also says that a gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word it stirs up wrath. So there's a time to say something, but there's also a time to keep our mouth closed. Proverbs 17, 27 and 28 says, Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. I love this. Even a fool who keeps, his, keeps silent is considered wise when he closes his lips. He is deemed intelligent. When I was growing up, I was in high school, uh, I was in health class. I don't know if they still have something called health class, but we had health and PE, so half the semester we did PE and half the semester we did health. And my health professor, uh, our teacher, he had his hands full with a kid in my class, uh, and this one time it wasn't me, okay? And he, uh, there was a guy in my class who I would kind of uh, liken as I'm just going to say this as nicely as I can. He was kind of like the village idiot, okay? He, he would, that is nice. I could say a lot worse, okay? This guy, like, he would always spout his mouth off all the time, causing problems for students, causing problems for the teacher. And I remember this one time, uh, uh, this kid, I'm not going to say his name, uh, this kid opened up his mouth and he said something ridiculous in class. And and my professor, my teacher, he looked at him and said, blank, it is better for you to keep your mouth closed and and let people assume that you're an idiot then to open up your mouth and remove all doubt. And I thought to myself, that's funny right there. Right? That, that, that's funny. And I didn't know it at the time, but he was speaking a proverb of truth into this kid's life. That there was a time that, that for you to speak, and there's a time for you to keep your mouth closed. He was speaking truth. This is the first time I'd ever heard a proverb in, in, in a classroom. Listen to me. Believe it or not, we don't have to take the bait for every fight that's put in front of us. And we are in our culture right now, we are being baited into all these different arguments that you're supposed to have an opinion on. And if you don't have an opinion, well, you're, you're somehow out of touch. Or you need to, if you have an opinion, you need to voice your opinion. And, but there, I'm saying there are times where it is best 
for us to keep our mouth closed. I'm, that doesn't mean that we don't say what we need to say, but there are times and in moments where the best thing that can be done is for us not to give an opinion. Like we don't have to take the bait into these fights, right? We don't have to move into something and, and to cause problems. But there are times where Solomon says it is best for you to open up your mouth as well because the right word at the right time can bring life. He says in Proverbs 25, 11, a word fitly spoken. This is a spoken word now. A word fitly spoken, a word given at the right time is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. He's saying this is like priceless gold. This is like priceless jewelry. A word given at just the right time. The right word of wisdom when wisdom is needed. The right word of compassion when somebody is hurting and you just speak truth into their life and you come alongside of them. A word of empathy to let people know that you're not going through this alone. We're in this with you. A word of rebuke. Solomon says that there are times when a, a, a good rebuke is given, but a rebuke that's given from a friend goes a lot further than somebody who doesn't know anybody just to throw out a rebuke. There are times to give a word of encouragement. A right word fitly spoken at the right time is like precious jewelry. Mother Teresa, she said at one point, she said, kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless. Never underestimate the power of a right word spoken at just the right time, a right word of encouragement in the moment of truth, just the right words at just the right time. Maybe sending somebody a blog post, maybe shooting off an email to somebody, sending somebody a text message, a sentence to let people know like, you're not in this alone. It could change the direction of their present and it could also change the direction of their future. You never know who's aching, you never know who needs to have a word spoken into their life. Who needs your words today? Think about that. Who needs your words today? What are the words that you're going to say to them? Here's the harder one. Who needs you to close your mouth? It's much harder. It's much harder. Who needs you to pause before you say the thing that you want to say? Here's what I want to challenge us this week. Pause before you post. Yeah. Pause before you post. Pause before you text. Pause before you speak. Pause and give room for the Holy Spirit to do something in you before you say that thing that just has to be said. Because maybe it doesn't just have to be said. Maybe it's a moment for you to listen. Maybe it's a moment for you to speak. But take time to pause before you post. Because here's the truth. The words that come out of our mouth are important. And once they're out, you can't squeeze them back into the tube. They have the power of life and they have the power of death. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for allowing us to be outside. Thank you for uh, the weather. It's beautiful out here. Thank you for the sun, even though uh, we're baking. We need it. It's good for us. A little vitamin D. God, we're thankful for how you've created. Thankful for this church. Thankful for the leaders. Thank you for the volunteers. Um, thank you for what you're doing here. I pray that this week, Father, as we just dive, as we just think about the Proverbs and just a few of these Proverbs that just speak so much life to us, there's a ton more that you could lead us into. But I pray that we would just think about what we say before we say it. That we would understand that our words carry a lot of weight and they have a lot of influence and they impact people in real ways. And so would you give us the the spiritual gift of self-control this week to just pause. Just a pause for a moment. 
And maybe we say what we're supposed to say. And maybe you encourage us to say it in a different way. Or maybe you encourage us to not say it at all. We need your truth. We need your wisdom, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys.